0: Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte technology careers at deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte.
1: You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now
2: it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, and we are live, but we have to let the stream breathe just for a few seconds till I get green check marks across the board. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime and fellow football priest. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelverman, Zach, what if I were to tell you that Jarrell Casey, who is himself a five-time Pro Bowler, been to the last five Pro Bowls, in fact, what if I were to tell you that he compared Lloyd Cushenberry to a pair of perennial Pro Bowl centers after going against him these past several weeks?
3: I mean, it holds water. Gerald Casey's been up, up against the league's best centers, but like we always say, I hate to be the wet blanket for this topic, but what else is he going to say being a teammate of his and trying to talk him up? Obviously, the Broncos don't agree with that assessment. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put him in a competition with the likes of Patrick Morris and Austin Schlottman. Uh, but, you know, it's good to hear the praise, and it's good to see that he's winning over his veteran teammates. That's almost as important as doing his job on the field, as having a rapport in the locker room. I personally like Cushionberry a lot. I like that Jerrell Casey speaking out for him, if only because it should further entrench him on the depth chart as a starting center. Given the Broncos, no doubt about it, he is their guy. Let me read to you what he said real quick.
2: For those of you who missed it, there's an article, <clears throat> excuse me, on this topic at milehighhuddle.com. Here's what he said about one Lloyd Cushionberry. This is Jerrell Casey. He said, "Quote, the biggest thing I've seen from him he kind of reminds me of the Pouncey brothers, which is, of course, the Steeler center Marquise and the Charger center Mike. The quickness, the twitchiness, the way he just flows off the ball. He's very quick. He's an athletic guy. Most centers, I can hit them one way, come back the other way, and they can't keep up. This kid actually has been keeping up. He's been making the blocks. He's been understanding. He's been working in cahoots with the O-line. He definitely filled in right away as the season goes on you're definitely going to see him become one of the all pros hopefully the kid he's ready to go also close quote so like you i i do have to concur that on one hand you do have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because you know it's it's a teammate being asked about another teammate what's he going to say the guy owes me 15 bucks he's a pos of course not right. they're going to they're going to speak um, positively 99 times out of 100 but what I like about this is he didn't just say, you know, he's really quick, you know, he's athletic and all that stuff about he's getting to the next level and stuff like that. He actually compared him to two specific players and then said that he thinks he's going to, he's got some all pro in his future. Now, <clears throat> I think that's going a little, a little far out there. But if he's saying it, you know, I'm, I'm going to take it with a couple of grains of salt instead of just one.
3: That's a good way to put it. Uh, it's not like he made some generic platitude or some generic praise about cushionberry He specifically compared him to two centers who he thinks his skill set is reminiscent of. And that holds, again, it holds water considering Gerald Casey is one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL and has been for quite a while. Chad, you like and Barry. I like and Barry. The majority of Broncos country likes cushionberry It just further reinforces the notion that he is your starting center and the Broncos just wasted time, uh, you know, Wasting those reps with other people.
2: The good news, though, on that front is that basically for the last week and change, Cushenberry has received ninety plus percent of the first team reps. So even though Fangio <clears throat> isn't quite ready to officially christen this kid the starter, because the Broncos, of, of course, they're not required by league mandate to release their first depth chart till Saturday, same day of the cutdown deadline. So he's not going to do that quite yet. But obviously, you know you you read between the lines, and <clears throat> when it comes to coach speak, it's not always Zach what they say. You watch what they do and how the rotation works on the field.
3: Yeah, and you know what? At the end of the day, Cushon berry is with the ones right now. He's the starting center. So it, it started off rocky. We didn't like how they were handling. We still don't like how they're handling Demar Dotson, But as long as on September fourteenth, week one against the Titans, Cushionberry is your starting center. And no matter how they got to that destination, that's the most important. Um, result
2: while we're on this topic though I also want to get your thoughts and then of course tonight is the mile high mailbag because we are your football priests each and every week we're here to give you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions so get your questions any super chats you have get them in the stream and we're going to get to those tonight uh, as well as talk a little bit about how we expect this 53-man roster to shape up but Zach there's just two more quick quotes I want to get your take on Yeah, from Jarrell Casey that I thought were worthy of our analysis. And the first is, we mentioned on this podcast, I want to say it was Monday, that defensive line coach Bill Kalar, when asked about Draymond Jones, basically said, you know, he's looking real good. Which, you know, coming from a a drill sergeant like D-line coach who doesn't give out advice very easily, it was noteworthy. Well, here's what Casey said about Jones, how he's looked in camp so far. Quote, he's looking nice out there. He's fluid. He understands how to play the game. His reaction time is unbelievable. He reminds me of my younger self when I could move twitchy like that. He's got, I think he's going to definitely take his game to another level, working together and just having him out there, being able to work side by side with him has definitely been a joy. Close quote. Zach, On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most likely, do you think Draymond Jones is destined to eclipse Shelby Harris or supplant him as a starter opposite
3: of Casey this year? You know what? It's such a loaded question, Chad. There's so many factors in play with that. I'm going to stop short of saying destined. I'm going to say he has a really good chance to surpass Shelby Harris as the starting uh, defensive lineman on that defense. And you know what? He really came on last year, Draymond Jones. I wasn't the biggest fan of his selection, but the second half of the season he was making play after play and it pops on film. And Shelby Harris, it just seemed like he lost some of that momentum after last season. He found nothing on the open market. He had to settle for a proven contract with Denver. It almost felt like he was like, okay, I can't find anybody else. I'll just I'll go back to my the old team, whatever, uh, for another year. I, and the momentum to me, based on what Collari saying in Draymond Jones' tape, I just think he has a higher ceiling in this defense than Shelby Harris. Huge Shelby Harris fan, but Draymond Jones just has a different skill set, and I think he's more of a favorite of the coaching staff because Fangio handpicked him. He didn't handpick Shelby Harris.
2: This is true. It's going to be fun to see how this particular battle shakes out. Now, one more here, Zach, and then we'll move on to uh, the topics of tonight's show, get to the mailbag, get to the stream. Here's what Casey said, and this is good insight to kind of give us a feel for how the depth on the defensive line is shaping up, what it's been like working with rookie third-rounder McTelvin Ajeem, what he's seen from him. Quote, it's awesome. I think with a little more experience, he's definitely going to be ready to go. It sucks that he hasn't gotten any preseason games in to really get his feet wet, but I definitely think it's been a good camp for him. He's been showing up. He's been showing that he wants to play, that he's ready to go. It's going to really just come down to the coaches trusting in him and believing in him, but the kid is ready to go, close quote. So, Zach, of all the things we've heard him say with regard to his young teammates so far, that one definitely the most lukewarm, but really what else is he going to say? Because as you mentioned there, there's no preseason games to really get a a stronger feel, whereas maybe you could say the same about Draymond Jones, but at least – I'd be willing to bet money some of the tape they've been watching in training camp this year and what Gerald Casey has seen is tape of Draymond Jones performing late last season in which he was, what was it, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Not just defensive rookie, AFC Defensive Player of the Week, Week 16.
3: I actually like this by Jarrell Casey because it seems like his other comment, uh, it, it seems like it's it's more realistic. He's telling it like it is. He's not sugarcoating anything. So if he feels like someone can have all pro upside, he's genuinely meaning that. He's not just saying it as a platitude. Whereas if he thinks a teammate could use some more work, he's going to say it. So I appreciate this this honesty, and it's refreshing to me from a Broncos teammate not to think everyone is an all pro, not to think everyone is a future Hall of Famer. He's... Honest and he's open, and he's giving some key insight as to the younger players on this defense that we otherwise, Chad, would not glean. All right. We want to get to
2: the mailbag. We want to talk a little bit about the roster. Hopefully, most of you, all of you, in fact, have read Zach's 53 man roster prediction that was published yesterday at milehighhuddle.com. If you have read that, you'll have a good kind of foundation for our conversation tonight that we're going to have in between answering your questions. Um, but first, gang, We gotta go through some matters of business, starting with the fact that we gotta remind you that this episode is sponsored by SportsBetting.com. Gang, go out there and enter a free million-dollar pick'em contest. Visiting SportsBetting.com, you get a chance to win a million bucks. Couple of few picks against the spread, uh, over/under. It's really fun. All of us here at Mile High Huddle have done it now a few times. If I'm, you know, I don't know if that's uh, okay, but I've done it more than once. I'll just say that's fun. And you get to see the spreads shaping up for for week one and get a chance to win a million bucks. So head on over to sportsbetting.com. Check that out, excuse me, when you get some time. All right, Zach, real quick before we dive in, just want to make sure everybody knows how to find us on social media as the podcast and as MHH continues to grow. Find us on Twitter, gang. First and foremost, connect with us at Huddle Up Pod on Twitter while you're at it. Also at Mile High Huddle. You get those two. Accounts followed, you're not going to miss anything as it relates to the pod or breaking Broncos news and analysis. A gentle reminder to check out the merch store. Head on over to HuddleUpPod.com. Get your swag on. Get yourself one of these football priest hats. Get yourself a football priest or a Let Them Hate t-shirt. There's mugs. There's face masks. There's hoodies. There's golf polos. little something for everybody, men, women. Check it out. It's another organic way to support what we're doing. And if you're not in a position to do that, it is all good. These three things each and every one of you can do, and you guys have no idea how much it helps us. Subscribe, like, and share if you really love us. If you love what we're doing for you, share this thing out there. Help us organically continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. And then, Zach, one last thing. Shout out to our Facebook supporters. You know we love you. It's been growing, that group, and we appreciate each and every one of you. And let's see. uh, I'm sure we'll see a few of them in the chat stream here.
4: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site Introducing the Planet Fitness guide to getting that post workout glow. Step 1: What's your why? More epic energy, better sleep, blow off steam? Step 2: Join Planet Fitness for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime and get moving. Go cardio crazy in our clean and spacious clubs or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment. Step 3: Bask in that post workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details tonight. All right,
2: Zach. Um, Amber, one of them. Much love to you, Amber. Appreciate your support. John, what's our first, uh, who, who got in there first on the super chat? We got Mike Evans, <clears throat> bona fide MHH superstar, Mount Rushmore guy. You guys have met him. Absolute stud. Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you. Going, my friend. Yeah. Are the Broncos married to Jeff Driscoll? Not trying to panic, but should we explore options? Zach, I think the Broncos would be remiss to not explore options. However, they're on the hook for two and a half million bucks. So it's just enough. It's not completely prohibitive of moving on if you know a really good opportunity arose. But it's it's just enough, also, Zach, to make it very unlikely. Doesn't mean they couldn't add someone else, but moving on from Driscoll is very
3: unlikely. It's not just the money, though. I mean, he spent the entire offseason learning the offense and he has it down now. They're going to get some guy ready to play in, uh, you know, a week or so, week and a half. it doesn't work that way. If Locke goes down against the Titans, they sign someone off the street right now. That quarterback has no idea what's going on. Driscoll isn't the best number two in the world. You know, he was on our duds of training camp for a reason, but for what he is, he's good in that role. And he's just a very nondescript quarterback who can step in, who has experience, who can kind of not mentor Drew Locke, but just be that sounding board on the sideline. Just a guy, a a jag, plain old vanilla quarterback like Jeff Driscoll. As an aside, I know Josh Rosen is on the trade block now. I want nothing to do with Josh Rosen. I know a lot of Broncos fans have been calling for that trade to happen. I would not give up anything to take on that lemon at quarterback. They're, they're fine with Jeff Driscoll right now. I wouldn't say they're married to him because there's no marriage in the NFL, yet. Doesn't That doesn't exist. But I think going into the season opener, I think he's locked in as the number two quarterback.
2: You know, it's, I still have to beat myself up a little bit because in the 2018 class, I vacillated going back and forth on my number one quarterback in the class. Was it Baker Mayfield? Was it Josh Rosen? Was it Baker? I, I ended up I think the final word on it was Josh Rosen, and boy, was I wrong on that. Now, in Rosen's defense, and I do agree with you, Zach, that that should not even be a consideration for the Broncos, but in his defense, he has had one of the most uniquely just botched yes, first couple of years as a, as a pro that I think I've ever seen in the history of a first-round drafted quarterback. So, you know, he hasn't it hasn't been a traditional, I would say, fair start to his career. But nevertheless, Zach, even though it's only been two years, he's already damaged goods. Like right. at least Jeff George, who went number one overall all those years ago, you know, he got many years as a starter, um, bounced around quite a bit. At least he produced. He never lived up to his number one overall billing, but at least he produced some some games, some wins, some stats. And in the case of of Josh Rosen, I really don't think that's ever going to happen in – You know, he's such a smart guy, too, is Josh Rosen. I mean, I'm sure he'll take that NFL money as long as there's an NFL team willing to give it to him. But at some point, I'm sure there are countless different options that he has in life to pursue professionally that if he's going to I mean, his name now, Zach, is synonymous with just he's a laughing in many circles. So I don't know how much longer he can withstand that.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you guys thought Pax and Lynch didn't have between the years, I, Josh Rosen at this point, he is so psychologically damaged and, and, and done. And just uh, he was sacked in Arizona. Then he was traded to Miami, and they, they didn't want him. And he was just left to rot on the sideline, given no development, no coaching, uh, made no progression in his own uh, physical skill set. I just want nothing to do with the guy. I mean, he is just no upside to him at all. Mentally, like you said, Chad, I mean, you talk about David Carr when they drafted him and he got beat up behind that Texans line, 70-something sacks, it has the same psychological impact. For a quarterback, the mental aspect of the game is almost or as more important than arm strength or physical talent. It's the same reason that Paxton Lynch busted. And if you don't like Paxton, you wouldn't like Josh Rosen. Shout out to
2: our latest Facebook supporter, Charles Havoc Boren. Very cool name. One of my favorite punk rock singers was a cat, is a cat, I should say, by the name of Davey Havoc, similarly spelled but not quite. One less K. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, We got a question here from Terry Randall. Everybody knows Terry up there north of the 49th parallel. The guy who probably, I don't have this perfectly memorized, Zach, but he's probably the guy that inspired the hashtag state of being, that little catchphrase. Terry, he says, I saw a guy wearing the number 30 on the training camp stream. He ran a route and caught the ball. Who could this be? Wow. Obviously, very tongue-in-cheek wow. about Philip Lindsay, But, Zach, you know, it's not like he's been a slouch in that department. He gets a lot of hate. That wrist injury really affected his ability to catch the ball, A, and, B, to develop as a receiver out of the backfield. He made it a focus this past offseason, clearly jumped in with both feet. The early returns are pretty obvious. I mean, he's – I don't think that's going to be something that coaches are going to think twice about when they ask him, you know, when they call a play that requires the running back to either catch the pass, screen
3: – run a route, whatever it might be. I really don't think they're going to have second thoughts. You mean a grown man with working hands can catch a football, Chad? I am Dude. literally shocked right now. And this is something we've been saying the entire offseason. He might not be a Marshall Falk back there in the backfield, but Philip Lindsay is a very adept playmaker. And when you're a playmaker, you make plays in every single facet of the game. Catching and running for Philip Lindsay. This is why, part of the reason, it wasn't just uh, the Melvin Gordon's contract. They didn't need him that much because Lindsay can catch passes. There are plays which shows him juking people out in space, making tough catches. He had one last year from Joe Flacco. He had to adjust in midair to get the pass and then put the moves on a guy for a 20, 25-yard gain. That's what Lindsay can do, and he's shown that this summer, and that's exactly why he is the 1A to Gordon's 1B. You know, the first big play Philip Lindsay made
2: arguably as a Bronco week one, 2018 as a rookie, he scored that touchdown against the Seattle Seahawks. That was reception and it was a long one. It was inside the 50, but he showed early that that's an area with, in which he can produce. But I think this last seven, eight months, he's really been able to fine tune it and get even better. Um, But, you know, again, not to say there have been imperfections. That wrist injury really set him back. There were some bad drops last year. I think because he made it a focus, nothing but uh, net, as they say, in the basketball world, I think he's going to impress some people. Duke Boynton, bona fide superstar, legendary MHH community member. Much love to you, my friend. Appreciate your support. He says, the Broncos are going (laughs) 19-0. Drew Locke is passing for 5,500 yards. Fifty-four touchdowns, <laughs> no picks, zero interceptions. <laughs> okay. Lindsay is going to run for two thousand and eight yards and thirteen touchdowns. I love my orange colored glasses. <laughs> until proven otherwise, yeah, that's like, um, I mean Madden mode, right? Or you're controlling everything. And, but yeah, I love the optimism, and that's something I think we've heard maybe Terry say as well about nineteen and zero until proven otherwise. You know, it's it's very unlikely. Closest any team's ever gotten to nineteen and zero was the New England uh, New England Patriots back in. What was it? The 07 team, I want to say, right? That went uh, 18 and one, lost in the Super Bowl. But hey, optimism, it's good, and the team could use it. It's all part of
3: the juju right now that builds toward letting them hate, you know, the let them hate hash. That's right. I and mean, I like how specific that number was for the rushing yards, 2008. It wasn't just 2000, it was 2008. I like the additional uh, couple scampers for Lindsay there. You know what? I'm not going to say 19-0 is going to happen, but you know the Broncos being a 10, 11, 12-win team is certainly within the realm of possibility. And regardless of the record, they're going to have a very good season this year and be very fun to watch. So it's something we can all agree on.
2: If I'm not mistaken, 2008 is a direct reference to Terrell Davis, his two thousand yard season. I might be off by one or two yards. I could be misreading that. But uh, all right, let's see here. <clears throat> John, do we have Dennis available? If you got him, or actually, let me see. Yeah, Dennis. <laughs> Appreciate you, Dennis, on Super Chat. Thank you. Much love to you, my friend. He says, so if Cushingberry starts, will the Broncos keep both Patrick Morris and Austin Schlotman? If not. Which one will they keep? And Zach, I think that's as good as any segue to turn toward the 53-man roster a little bit here as we also do the mailbag in the chat stream here. And let's just take a look really quick at your roster as it stands. You have both Patrick Morris and Austin Schlottman making the roster with Cushenberry penciled in as the starter. I would concur with this, although if they do end up moving on from one, it's going to be Morris as opposed to Schlottman because I think Schlottman has proven that he's got more guard, center, versatility. You know, you can go back and forth. I'm not confident 100% Morris could do that. But you've got Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, Graham Glasgow, DeMar Dotson, Elijah Wilkinson, Pat Morris, Schlotman, and here is, in my opinion, the dark horse that I loved to see, Calvin Anderson, who I think, you know, he's still raw and he's very improving when it comes to the NFL. But I have been impressed by this kid. This summer, he's given me some hope that there is a developmental tackle option currently on this roster besides, you know, Garrett Bowles, DeMar Dotson, Elijah Wilkinson ain't it.
3: Right or Jake Rogers and I I do I do like Calvin Anderson a lot. I think Mike Munchak is working his magic with him. Not saying he's an instant replacement or starting caliber, but just a nice guy to have on the roster. And the more offensive linemen, the better. Chad, give me all the offensive linemen for this team right now with all these different question marks. Um, I would take Morris over Schlotman though. I just think he's a he's been with Mike Munchak uh, dating back to Pittsburgh. Now they've had some history there. I just think he has a better skill set in terms of guard. You know they have Wilkinson who can play guard. He's a natural guard. They have some other guys like Reisman who can play guard, obviously, both sides. He can play center. A lot of position flexibility on this offensive line, but I wasn't going to go light. I wasn't going to take eight or seven linemen. I want the more the merrier, so I went with nine there.
4: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: Although here at Mile High Huddle, we know that Broncos country is not a geographic location, but rather a state of being, for those located in the state of Colorado— There's $1 million up for grabs in the SportsBetting.com Pro Football Pick'em Contest. What's amazing about SportsBetting.com's Pick'em is that it's absolutely free to play. I can vouch for this because just a few minutes ago, I hopped on SportsBetting.com and entered the contest, made my picks, and it was not only easy, it was fun. All you have to do is make 16 picks against the spread and 16 over-under picks in the NFL's Week 1 slate of games. If you get all your picks correct you'll walk away with $1 million. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, and here's the kicker. Sportsbetting.com is guaranteeing a $10,000 prize pool to the top five finishers with the first runner-up getting five grand. Not a bad consolation prize. It's free, easy, fun, and you can walk away with big bucks if you get all your picks correct. Enter the $1 million contest at sportsbetting.com pick'em dash football. That's sportsbetting.com pick'em Dash Football.
4: Did you know that Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance provides valuable whole life insurance protection to help cover your final expenses? It's true, and it can help with expenses such as medical bills, burial costs, and unpaid debts. It helps protect your family from the financial burden of your final expenses. If you're between 50 and 80 years old, or 50 to 75 in New York, your coverage is guaranteed with this policy regardless of your health history. There are no medical exams to complete or lengthy health questionnaires to fill out. Simply text INSURE to 30555, and premiums don't increase over time. The amount you pay when coverage begins is the same amount you'll pay throughout the duration of your policy. Just answer four easy questions to get your free personalized quote instantly by texting INSURE to 30555. See website for terms and restrictions.
0: Honey, Jane just told me how
1: much she paid for Bob's funeral. I was shocked.
4: Don't worry, Susan. We have protection through Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance, which helps with our final expenses.
1: When did you do that? I don't remember taking a medical exam.
4: That's because we didn't. Coverage is guaranteed regardless of health.
1: I have to tell Carol about this.
4: Tell her to text INSURE to 30555 to get a free personalized quote instantly.
2: Glenn Hauser, stud, absolute animal. We saw him last night on the show. It was great getting a chance to chit-chat with Glenn and uh, yes. learn some of the anecdotes from some of the coolest items he has in his awesome Broncos collection there. Glenn says, Mike Florio, of course, of Pro Football Talk, NBC Sports, was all over the fact that Vic Fangio said the Broncos aren't quarantining a quarterback. And, in fact, I'll give you guys the exact quote what Fangio said. Quote, on whether or not the notion of having a having to quarantine quarterbacks, is that something you're, you're looking at? How serious is that as an issue? Quote, I don't think it's necessary, to be honest with you. Plus, it has to be the right guy, somebody that has experience in your system, that if the emergency happens, you have them there. I don't think our quarterbacks have been meeting together. He kind of cut himself off. Our quarterbacks have been meeting together all camp. They're socially distanced like they should be. I think most teams are doing that. There hasn't been an issue so far Knock on wood, close quote. So, Zach Florio might be wringing his hands, doing his kind of blue check mark, for <laughs> lack of a better term, you know, CV virtue signal here. I don't see any reason for it. In fact, just like Philip Lindsay talked about yesterday, which he was great in his media availability because, on one hand, and he should, he leveled with everybody on how seriously. Everyone still needs to take the bug. It still needs to be something everybody takes seriously. But at the same time, he was much more optimistic in based on what they'd seen through training camp, not only with the Broncos, but teams across the league, that they're going to be able to get through this and the season's going to be able to go off without a hitch. So I don't know why, <clears throat> excuse me, he might be getting, Florio that is, getting after Vic. He says, do you think it would be a poor decision by the team now to isolate a QB or would they be fine? What's your take?
3: Well, first of all, I loved what Lindsey said. They asked him, what would it mean? In in other words, I'm paraphrasing. What would it mean if someone went out and caught CV? He goes, you don't give a damn about me. You don't care about our team. I I really love that quote from Lindsey a lot. I mean, it shows he wouldn't have said that a year ago. He's really blossoming into an outwardly uh, public leader on offense. It's exactly what the Broncos offense needed. Digressing though, this is what Florio does, Chad. I mean, you saw it throughout the pandemic, his takes, and he's very, like you said, the leader of the blue check marks, pandering, virtue signaling, you know. Playing to the lowest common denominator of fan, and the Broncos aren't that kind of team. They're not going to pander. Vic Fangio is not a virtue signaler. He's going to do, and he made that clear. He took some heat for his remarks, Chad, during the protest. He sticks to his guns and his virtues and his morals. And if he thinks the Broncos are good without quarantining a quarterback, they're not going to quarantine a quarterback. I don't like the idea either. You can't play scared. Everyone signed up for this this season. They had testing. They had waivers. They have all know the stakes for this year. And Philip Lindsay said it best. And that's kind of what I think is the heartbeat of the locker room right now, the prevailing thought. Let's all be one. Let's all be together. Let's not be selfish. Let's stay as a team, and we'll be okay. We're not going to get sick. We're not going to ruin our season. And if they just follow that logic, like most NFL teams are right now, there's no need for these extra quarterback quarantine lists or anything like that. It, it's Florio being Florio, and that's he becomes more of a joke by the day job. Another thing
2: Florio said today, and we'll get back to the, to the mailbag and back to the roster. <clears throat> In fact, our next question comes from Terry that is specific to the roster. But another thing Florio brought up today, and this I'm glad he said this because I wasn't aware of this. So as everybody knows, the practice squad this year, has is grown from 10 guys to 16, and six of those guys can be vested veterans, guys that no longer have any practice squad eligibility left on the, on the old resume. Well, those six veterans, they don't have to be put on waivers. So you can literally go from, let's say you want to cut DeMarcus Walker just as an example, and you don't want to – well, he might actually, as someone that has practice squad availability – he might have to go through waivers. I'm not sure on that distinction, but let's say someone else who's more of a veteran that um, not Tim Patrick wouldn't be an example. It would never happen. But as an example, let's say that it was somebody like Bryce Callahan who's got six years – he's in his sixth year, no more practice squad eligibility. The Broncos like him on the practice squad, but they don't see a place for him on the 53 out of the gates. They can put him – sign him right to the practice squad, <clears throat> and he doesn't have to pass through waivers. And, Zach, that's very free. But at the same time, the one thing to keep in mind, and, of course, Bryce Callahan is making this roster all day long. I just had a brain fart on someone else I could use as an example. But um, one thing that that doesn't bring up, though, is the fact that as soon as a player finds out he's getting cut and moved to the practice squad where he's going to take less money than he would if he was on the 53, if a team calls him and offers him a deal, he's gone. He's He can sign. So on one hand, it is a little bit um, – you know, it's nice to hear that, but it'll be interesting to see how teams and players exploit that in uh, 20, 2018, almost, uh, I almost said, 2020.
3: I don't know how many vested veteran. I mean, you couldn't even think of one, Chad, and I really can't either. How many vested veterans would even be eligible? I feel like most of the practice squad players for the Broncos would be rookies or first- or second-year players. I really don't see a veteran on the roster. I was going to say Jake Butt, but he, he wouldn't be a vested veteran. I don't uh, think so. He hasn't played enough games. He's been on on IR every year, so I don't think it's even to come to that. They'll probably use those spots to fill it up with players that they want to hold on to, but I really can't think of a vested veteran that would meet that criteria. You know, maybe a Todd Davis, but he's not about to get cut. Maybe a Mark Barron. He's not
2: about to get cut either. So, anyway, Terry jumping in again on Super Chat this time. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. How much roster movement besides the cut down do you see happening Saturday? Hashtag football priest. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag mhhun. So the one thing everyone needs to keep in mind, Zach, is the, the cuts are going to come. The Broncos will get to fifty three. Might even go below fifty three, to be honest with you, because right. they're going to wait to see what happens on the waiver wire. Every year, there's that guy who makes the uh, makes the active roster, and everyone goes, "Wow, good for him." We didn't see that coming. Twenty four hours later, they <laughs> <It's> wait on <gone. laughs> claim someone else off the <clears throat> off the practice or off the waiver wire. So. There's going to be some movement at this stage. It's just difficult to even come close to projecting that just kind of look at the weak points on the roster. And I think Eric Trickle did a good job kind of highlighting those spots, offensive tackle. We've talked about that a lot on this show,
3: cornerback a lot on this show, a couple other spots. So we'll see. You said it best. I mean, sometimes they can go to 52, 51 players. You might see some, uh, you know, outward signings or out of house free agents come and visit the Broncos or sign with the Broncos. But for the most part, they're getting their own roster down to 52 or 53. They might leave one spot open. If you guys think back to 2017, they made all these cuts, including TJ Ward. And at the end of the night that night, they signed Brock, Brock Osweiler. To, you know, so they brought him into the building. There was some movement there. That was more of the exception than the rule. I think you'll see some movement after Saturday, Sunday, Monday, going into game prep week. It might not be a lot of you know signings. If you're looking for a player to come into the building, they're going to get their own roster down first and then explore what they want to do from there. But maybe on Sunday or Monday, uh, they'll, they'll bring someone in the building.
2: Uh, super chat and a joke here from the Wizard, the Wizzy and the Nizzy <laughs> Mundungus. Appreciate you, my friend coming at Juwan James once again. He says, sometimes I feel bad for James. He can't the even do the rock's <laughs> eyebrow. For what it's worth, I can't do
3: the rock's eyebrow. I can lift one, or I can lift both, but I can't lift one. Zach, can you? I'm trying to do it, but not with the hat on. I feel like I'm just like having a stroke right now. I, I have to, like, <laughs> twist my face a yeah. little bit
2: to kind of make it happen.
3: There's only one rock. Indeed. Appreciate
2: you, Mundungus. All right, Zach, so – uh, and William, appreciate the kind words. Shout out to our Facebook community. Thank we you, love William. our Facebook supporters, and we love the Facebook community. Appreciate that, William. Um, all right, real quick here, I want to come back. We're, we'll grab this question from David Crespin next here, uh, but first, Zach, I want to come back to your fifty-three man roster proje- uh, prediction here on the tight ends. All right, this was I thought this is interesting and worth talking about. You have the Broncos keeping four. Noah Fant, Nick Vanette, Albert O, and not Jake Butt, but Andrew Beck. Now, I want to juxtapose that with, and I thought this was interesting, Mike Kliss unveiled, he does one every year. Everyone in the business does one each year, right? Right on the doorstep of when the cuts come. Mike Kliss had the Broncos keeping Noah Fant, Vanette, Okawai Boonham, uh, Butt, and then Andrew Beck as well, but classifying him on the running back side in terms of the roster math as a fullback. Mm. So that would mean they kept Melvin Gordon, Phillip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, plus all the tight ends I mentioned, and Andrew Beck. So in your case,
3: though, you have him saying goodbye to Jake, Butt, going with Andrew Beck. I think it's overkill. This isn't Gary Kubiak's offense. This is Pat Shermer's offense where it's a one tight end, barely a one tight end offense. There's going to be a room for Noah Fant and then it's Noah fans and everybody else. I'm just not sold on Jake Butt. I, I acknowledge that he had a really good training camp and I wish him well in his recovery from four ACL surgeries. I just like the versatility that you get with Andrew Beck. Play fullback, tight end, blocker, in line, outside. He does a lot. He's younger. He's healthier than Jake Butt. I would not carry five total tight ends on the roster and no more than three running backs. So if it was a coin flip, honestly, I just like what Beck can bring to the table. We've seen what we're going to see from Jake Butt. I don't think we're ever going to see more than we've seen from him. Can we say the same thing about Andrew Beck, though? I don't know. So that's why I'm going with him.
1: This is the
4: Overtime Podcast Network.
1: <laughs> not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
2: As you know, I take a, a quite a bit more optimistic view on but, but it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because they have some really tough decisions to make at tight end. And like you said, if they do end up keeping four, or as Kliss has them, keeping five basically, because Andrew Beck will play a little fullback, but let's face it, he's a tight end. Yeah, There's not going to be a lot of, reps to go around in the games, two tight end sets, unless they're rotating Fant in and out. And you don't want to take Fant off the right. field because he's such a stud. So, you know, it's one of those things where the Broncos kept drafting tight ends, trying to throw something at the wall until it stuck. And it finally stuck with Noah Fant. And now they're starting to get some return on the investment in terms of the time they put developing these guys and, you know, getting Jake Butt healthy, for example. But it seems like it's a day late and a dollar short. Now, David Crespin jumps in. And he asks here, do you think K.J. Hamler will be active for the first game? Now, we are currently, what, 11 days from the opener, 11 days in real time as we're streaming this live Thursday evening. He has the last couple of days, he's been back in pads. He's at practice. He's working on the sideline with trainers. He's doing some individual. So he's trending Zach back in the right direction I wouldn't be surprised if he's inactive to open up the season, but I think he will be active. I do think he's going to be ready to go.
3: As long as he's healthy, yeah, you don't spend a second-round pick on a guy then, then make him a healthy scratch in week one of the regular season. They brought him in to be a playmaker and to contribute on offense, maybe not more so than Sutton or Gordon or uh, Jerry Judy, but Hamler is a big part of this offense, and as long as his hamstring is holding up for week one, he's going to be on the field. Let's talk about the wide receivers real quick.
2: You have the Broncos keeping six, and I concur with every guy you have here. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton, and Deontay Spencer. But, Zach, Mike Kliss would disagree with us. Mike Kliss would say that all those same names, except he would classify Deontay Spencer as instead of the Broncos keeping three specialists, they keep four, Deontay Spencer being the fourth as the return guy – and they still keep an additional six wide receivers. That that sixth guy, in 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 real math, the seventh guy, being Tyree Cleveland. Yeah. And Cleveland has had, I'll, I'll I'll be you know I'll admit he's been a lot more impressive this training camp than I expected him to be coming out of Florida. But I still think he's one of those classic guys that fits the too much of the you know the the prototype for. Wave him. If you lose him, no big thing. You're right. stacked at wide receiver and and get him onto the practice squad.
3: Kliss can designate all he wants. You still have to account for that guy on the roster. It's still a body on the roster, and it's overkill to me. You don't need another person like Tyree Cleveland. You have that guy and Deshaun Hamilton. They're both Jags in the sense they don't do anything extraordinarily well. And Deontay Spencer, his spot to me was cemented. I don't like Herring six, especially a guy who does one thing that's return punts. But I think KJ Hamler's hamstring injury solidified Spencer's spot. They were already iffy about playing Hamler on punts. And I think now that he's been hurt once, they're going to go to the guy they know in last year in Deontay Spencer, who Tom McMahon loves, the coordinator of special teams. So I don't see Cleveland making it. I see like exactly like you said. Try to sneak them onto the practice squad. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but you can't carry that many receivers. And don't forget, Melvin Gordon, Phillip Lindsay, and Noah Fant can catch passes too. You don't need that many wide receivers if so many players on offense are going to be involved in the passing game.
2: You know, seventh-round picks in the John Elway era and across the NFL, they have long odds of making the roster. They really do. They're basically just this side of being a college free agent. They did get drafted, and there's a difference, but – I mean, outside of guys like Virgil Green, outside of guys like Trevor Simeon, outside of guys, well, even Chad Kelly has a seventh-round pick. You know, he was injured his rookie year, so it doesn't really count. Simeon. But nevertheless, Zach, another seventh-round pick. And, well, first, before I go off on this tangent, I want to talk about Derek Tuska. Let's grab Mondungas, Super Chat. Appreciate you, my friend. And he's got another pun, another joke here on, uh, on Joan James. He says, it must be terrible to have less facial hair. <sighs> Then an emoji hashtag emoji brow hashtag emoji or excuse eyebrow opt out Mike love it bringing the funny and we appreciate you my friend and uh, keeping it keeping it light Chad on Facebook wants to know how Derek Tuska is doing we're gonna get to that right now Zach I thought it was interesting what Vic Fangio had to say about one Derek Tuska and I just want to tell you guys you know I might have to eat a little crow on this because Tuska was a guy I talked about after they drafted him as one who I wouldn't be surprised to see come in and push a Malik Reed and push a Justin Hollins. Well, Justin Hollins now has been moved, so he's kind of out of the equation a little bit. Uh, push, uh, maybe not so much push a, a Jerry Attachew, but kind of push the bottom of that depth chart, provide some kind of like Shaq Barrett, early Shaq Barrett type of impact early on. But it's not looking like it's going to shake out that way. And in fact, Zach, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a wave that – just doesn't get brought back at all. Here's what Fangio said about Derek Tuska, the seventh round edge rusher quote. Yeah, he needs to get stronger. He needs to develop more physically. Just all of that. He came from a, I don't want to say lesser level of play. He's out here now. He played at North Dakota state. He's out here now with NFL players, just everything, nothing in particular, but everything he was behind. It was evident He needs more seasoning, close quote. Zach, what does that say to you about his roster prospects in 2020?
3: The translation is enjoy a red shirt year because that's what he's going to get this season in Denver. If he even stays in Denver, like you said, Chad, it might be, you know, they wave him and he might be not brought back to Denver. He might be a practice squad guy. He might be buried on IR for the year, but it seems like he's not going to make the 53. He needs a year at least in the NFL conditioning program. He was one guy, Chad, among the Broncos rookie class who was really hurt and negatively impacted by having no offseason. What Vic Fangio said was you would have been more, you would have benefited more from having practices, being able to be in the weight room from April on, being able to be on the field from early on. And that's one guy who suffered. And it's unfortunate, but it's part of the business. He was always a tweener prospect. And I thought when they draft or they picked up both of them, Tuska and Justin Sternad, one of those guys will make the roster. One of those guys will be a contributor, but not both. It was supposed to be Sternad. He was hurt. You know, Tuska needs another year. And at least Fangio was honest, Chad. At least we're not going to keep a guy for the sake of keeping them, he needs at least another year to marinate and whatever happens, then they'll re-explore that uh, when they cross that bridge.
2: All right. Facebook user. Uh, let me see if I can maybe deduce who this is. Cause I hate saying Facebook user. Let me see. It might be on the Facebook page. I think it's in the group just real quick. If I don't find it quickly, then we'll uh, bounce on out of here. Oh, well, You got to give StreamYard permission to show your your profile on Facebook. Just click the link. You'll see it if you go to the top of the stream. But he says, it's an interesting story. Hey, guys. So you've asked all the guests that were on the show how they become a Broncos fan. I myself became a fan collecting Orange Crush cans, the soda Pop. That had the players on them and the stats they had. The year was 77 and 78. Plus, my dad was a Broncos fan. Why did you guys decide to be Broncos fan uh, fans? Thanks. Love you guys. Cool story, man. Appreciate that uh, little anecdote. You know, we've talked about this many times, but Zach, the show continues to grow, and you, it gets exposed to new listeners and new viewers that don't know the full story. So let me just do the cliff notes really quick, and I'll let Zach do his cliff notes. Basically, for me, my, the way I got exposed to the Broncos orbit was I was indoctrinated as a young child, like many of you were, by my dad. All right. And then, you know, I followed the Broncos as a kid, big time fan. John Elwood posters, three amigos. I was a child of the 80s. And so the nineties Super Bowl victories late, you know, that was joyous for me, just like it was for you guys. And then, you know, I ended up getting into the business and the sports media and the rest is history. Zach's path to this team, though, comes purely, purely from the professional side. And that's where he is now. And, uh, you know, I, Zach, you can tell that story.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, most people who cover a team are fans of the team per se. You might have an emotional vested interest in the team, and I definitely do. They weren't my favorite team growing up. But one of my earliest memories as a football fan was the 98 AFC title game, where the Broncos obviously won that and went on to the Super Bowl. Um, but covering them for half a decade now, which is crazy how time flies. I've really, you know, they've, got their, their, you know, claws into my heart. I'm really, if you want to classify me as a Broncos fan, that's fine. I have Broncos memorabilia everywhere around me and they're just a very interesting team. And unfortunately I came along at a time where they had just won the Super Bowl. And ever since then they've been uh, kind of not so great. So sorry about that. But yeah, I'd say the last five years, uh, I'm bleeding orange and blue a lot more than I ever thought I would, Jen.
2: It's one of those things where, you know, for, First of all, when you begin to cover a team, you can't help but become a fan a little bit. You just do. I mean, it doesn't matter where you come from uh, and what team you're covering. You end up having emotional investments in the team because your entire day grinds around that team. And so, you know, you kind of go with the ups and downs. You still try to keep an objective lens on it. And even for me, Zach, as, as someone who came from a fan to media, the games, as much as I – when I watch the Broncos play, yes, I want the Broncos to win. You bet your bottom dollar. But it's not like it was back in the day where, man, my I could feel my adrenaline up like I was so invested. If they lost, ruined my day, ruined my week. If they won, it was you know great week. All that stuff is way in the past. Um, but we still are very passionate about the Denver Broncos, as you guys can yes. tell, bringing you this content every day. Now, we got a question here <clears throat> from one of our Facebook supporters. Albert Knoppers, also a Super Chat superstar, hops on over to to YouTube to support us there as well. Appreciate you, Albert, and your wife. He says, is there any news on the tackle from Utah? Speaking specifically, of course, to Darren Paolo, whom the Broncos claimed off waivers earlier this week. Zach, I haven't heard anything. I I really haven't. And even if I had heard that he'd been dominating in training camp on third team, look, he's he's got one week to make an impression on this coaching staff I think the best-case scenario for him, Zach, is practice squad.
3: Yes, at at most. I mean, I think he was a camp body coming in. Obviously, he's from the Broncos' backyard. They have some familiarity with him. They liked him enough to give him a contract, but coming into this kind of offseason so late in the process doesn't give you great roster odds. At best, that's a practice squad guy, and you never know, though. I mean, as long the more guys in the building, the more opportunity that one of them is going to pan out. It increases the odds they're going to find one diamond in the rough in terms of having a backup caliber alignment. So I haven't heard anything. And uh, I think no news is bad
1: news, though. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair.
2: Christian jumping in on super chat. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, I just heard that Vaughn compared Drew Locke to Post Malone.
3: (laughs) I guess Locke's got to get out there and get a face tattoo. Yeah. A bunch of two of those bad boys. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I mean, they're both great entertainers and they have a lot of charisma. And I, I can see the comparison, but I think Locke is a better quarterback than Post Malone as a rapper, if that makes sense.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
3: Although I'll say this
2: as a guy that comes from the rock side of things, Zach's a, Zach is a rap and a hip hop guy. And I'm, yeah. I'm a rock guy, punk rock guy. And, but Nirvana was a band that was a punk rock band. And then the media Christendom grunge, like it was this new thing when really it was just kind of dirty rock. It was punk rock, but nevertheless, that's how I got really stoked about music. And like a lot of people in 92, I was like 12, 13 years old, something like that. And one thing that endeared Post Malone to me, I don't listen to his music, I'll be honest with you guys, but one thing, Zach, that endeared Post Malone to me was during the lockdown, like the depths of the lockdown when it was really locked down, not just some places are open, some are closed. I mean, it was everything locked down in the month of April. He and Travis Barker of uh, Blink-182, they did one of those live streams from his house, okay, and played a bunch of Nirvana songs, this long Nirvana set where they were just jamming. It was just rock music. And that made me kind of tip my cap to them. Uh, Some 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 credibility, some rock credibility for Post Malone. All right. Um, Duke, he's got to head out for the night. Catch you on the flip-flop, my friend. Appreciate your support as always. And as he says here, good reminder, subscribe, share it out there. Appreciate that, my friend, and have a good evening. Uh, Ricky here says, do you think it's possible that we have too much talent that it hurts us? Seems like we have a lot on both sides of the ball. I don't know. Is that a real question, Zach? Can you have more talent? Can you have so much talent that it hurts you? Or or actually, let me ask you this. Is there a way in which having too much talent can hurt you?
3: Uh, ask the Chiefs that question. I mean, there's literally no such thing of having too much talent. It comes down to coaching, though, Chad. I mean, look at the Cowboys rosters. I mean, there's some other teams around the NFL that are just loaded for bear every single season, and they can't get past the wild card round, the divisional round. It comes down to coaching in the end, but there's literally no such thing as having too much talent. And that's why the Broncos doubled up at wide receiver, already having Cortland Sutton. They get Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. I think that exemplifies that theory, Chad. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our
2: friends that cover, they do a lot of the same things we do, covering the Buffalo Bills in their neck of the woods, Buffalo Fanatics. Shout out to you guys. Um, Roger, one of our Facebook supporters, takes precedence here with his question. Hi, guys. How are you doing? We're doing great. I'm just curious about what a game is going to look like without fans in the stadium. It's just weird watching basketball. What do you guys think it'll be like? It's going to be similar to that. You're not going to see, you know, when they score, it, for for the most part, when you see, Zach, the actual f- camera on, when you think of a play happening, you're watching television, you're watching the broadcast, and it happens going left to right on your screen, okay? You're not going to notice that there's no crowd, all right? Because all you're going to see is field. Right. But when they score a touchdown and the camera pans and then you see it's empty seats, that's when it's going to become really obvious. I think fans will get used to it, though, pretty quick, even though no one's going to love it, no one's going to – find it to be ideal, I think fans will get used to it quicker than you think.
3: I think fans are just happy, as am I. I can speak for myself when there's just football. I mean, it's not ideal. It's not preferable. It's not normal. Absolutely not. Uh, but fans are no fans. As long as there's football on Sundays this fall, I'm, I'm good with it. Bonafide
2: superstar everybody knows, Zachary Smouse. He's in the house. Much love to ZW Designs. Good to see you, my friend. Rocking you, the very T-shirt that he designed, the Mile High Huddle, let them hate T-shirt. Appreciate you, Zachary, and your support, my friend. And we can't wait to get you on the show again here in the near future. He yes. says the offense is top fifteen. The defense is top three. Philip Lindsay, eight hundred and fifty yards. Melvin Gordon, seven hundred yards. Zach, if Melvin Gordon gets seven hundred yards <laughs> and they're paying him eight million bucks this year. My How first stoked up. are you going to be?
3: <laughs> I, you know what? I don't want to be right because it means the Broncos won't be as good as they, they could have been. I, I want Gordon to do well because it makes the Broncos offense better. But $8 million for 700 yards, it's not real great in return on investment. The sad thing is I can see Lindsay being around 850 because Gordon's going to cut into his carries. But if Melvin Gordon being this – who he thinks he's this workhorse and this 1A kind of guy, if he can't crack 800 yards when he's taking carries from the other guy already, there is something wrong there. 750 yards, you pay that guy a million bucks, not eight million. Philip Lindsay's paying $750,000. That's what he's getting this season. And he's going to have more rushing yards than a guy making $8 million. There is something wrong with that picture, Chad. Amen. I mean,
2: the problem is, and this is one of the reasons why Zach and I have been critical of the Melvin Gordon deal since its inception that's probably about where it's going to land. Like I don't expect him to get more than six, seven, eight hundred yards rushing. Right. To be honest with you, because Philip Lindsay's a stud. You're going to take a bona fide playmaker, a dagger, a guy that is a threat to take it to the house every time he touches the ball off the field to bring in Melvin Gordon. Well, they're going to do that because they want their money's worth. He'll get his yards, but Zach, for fans that are thinking. Melvin Gordon's going to bust for 1200 and Lindsey's going to get 1000 no. Is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? Extremely unlikely. So that's one of the reasons why we continue to kind of shake our head with regard to the Melvin Gordon deal. All right, Gary Smith, jumping in. Do you all think we could have three guys get 1,000 yards on our receiving core? Zach, I think Cortland Sutton's a lock for that. Yeah. I think Jerry Judy's going to come really close. Do you see yeah. anyone else really threatening for
3: that? I mean, who's the other guy? KJ Hamler. And unless they run four wide packages all day and they're not, it's not going he's not that type of talent. I know that what Chad Otocinco said, three number one wide receivers, but KJ Hamler is that seven, 800 yard a year guy for the most, in this offense anyway, being buried behind Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I can see 2000 yard guys, shed in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. I just don't see Hamler coming even close to that number. I agree. I agree. I think the best thing to hope for
2: is a 2,000-yard receivers and Noah Fant kind of threatening, but probably falling 150 to 250 yards shy. And that would still be a phenomenal season for Noah Fant. Uh, Zeus McPeak jumping in, showing his support, MHH Mount Rushmore guy. In fact, he's the guy, the first face that was etched, chiseled into the MHH Mount Rushmore is Zeus McPeak. And, you know, Zach, the support is so consistent. And sometimes I think, you know, fans and listeners of the show, they see the Super Chat on there and they people become immune to it. But let me tell you how important this is. Stu has supported us on Super Chat every single time he's been in the chat stream, which I could probably count on one hand since we started doing these live streams on YouTube. uh, Stu missing a, a live stream, probably on one hand, in all honesty. And guys, we don't have to do. The YouTube thing, we got so many things going on with keeping our, our blog going and covering this team on the written side and fulfilling our duties over there. We do this because of you guys and it's support like this from Stu and Zach and Terry and everybody else, Duke, uh, Mundungus, that Everyone. allows us to continue to focus our efforts as well on YouTube. So thank you. And Zeus, you're just, you know, you mean everything to us and we really appreciate you, dog.
3: Chad, I can't even follow that. That was perfectly said. And I just want to add that it's literally every single person. We, if we named every single superstar, it would take about 10 minutes. I mean, the the, the level of growth and the dedication and support you guys have shown on a pod in and pod out basis leaves Chad and I at a loss for words. So just to piggyback on what Chad was saying, it's all for you guys. And we're very appreciative. We get to do this four nights a week.
2: And we're humbled when you yes. super chat and send us money like that. We It, it humbles us. It motivates us. And make no mistake, though, it is what is funding our ability to do this content for you. So thank you, guys. And if you're not able to super chat, it's okay. You know, if you're not in a position, we're not going to ask you to do that. But tip your cap to, to those who are fortunate enough to be able to do that because it's making us it's – it's giving us the opportunity to bring this to you night in, night out. Yes. This is an interesting question, Zach. People – I've actually gotten it a couple times lately. People are wondering what happened to Joe Deneen, the linebacker from Kansas oh, wow. that the Broncos signed last year. There's a name. Nice. <clears throat> he was waived. I want to say waived injured, uh, w- months and months ago. He's no longer even in, on the Broncos' radar.
3: Wow, that's a name right there. Considering how long 2020's been, Chad, it just feels like eons ago. <laughs> he, he had that like Josie Jewel Sternad type hype where Broncos fans thought he was going to be like the next you know great inside linebacker. Never turned out. It just goes to show how hard it is to find a really really good inside linebacker. They're, they're very very rare.
2: Yep. And in his
3: uh, defense, he
2: did get hurt. And that led to the Broncos just saying, look, you ran out of sand in the hourglass to make an impression and catch you on the flip flop. I don't even know where he is now. Uh, Jeff C jumping in, another one of our consistent superstars. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you, Jeff. Zach, phone Fangio. Let's get <laughs> Prince Amukamara on the outside on a one year deal and move Bryce Callahan in the slot. Hashtag higher Prince. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag Denver Standard. And hashtag LFG. LFG. What's the LFG? Let's blank. Oh, let's go. go. Let's go. Yeah. Thank you. See, I need Zach for this. <laughs> Next time, I, I I steal my kids' phone to see what they're up to, and I get these acronyms that I don't understand. Just hit me up. I'm calling Zach, dude. There? Oh, dude. Here's what it means. Um, just appreciate you, Jeff. And yeah, I mean, I think it was Luke Patterson. Yes, it was yesterday. Uh, evening had a great article at myhahuddle.com right after Isaac Adam got dealt away very opportunistic uh, by Luke to get that out there because you know there's the outside chance that hey with one extra spot maybe they make an outside addition. but Zach it's just not trending that way Prince amukamara for whatever reason that's a ship that sailed for big fangio and yeah. well we might not ever know the real reason why and this has a lot to do at least anyway with why yadam was dealt Asang Bassey has been balling out. And thank you, Leroy, for being in the stream with us, my friend. Will he be the next Chris Harris Jr.? I love your optimism, but that is statistically, from an odds perspective, Zach, so minimal. But hey, you got to love the, the optimism. Chris Harris Jr. is a one of a kind.
3: But considering the luck the Broncos have had with their undrafted free agents, I, I literally would not be surprised. Maybe not as good as Chris Harris Jr., who was – arguably the premier slot cornerback of this generation, but if they can be anywhere close Bassie to Chris Harris Jr. level, you know, level that level, the Broncos got a steal. And that's why I think they dealt Isaac Yadim because they like Bassey a lot.
2: You know, Ron Dub, speaking of the superstars that keep us going and keeping the lights on here at MHH YouTube. Appreciate you, Ron. Thank you. Always brings the good questions. He says, hey guys, which player on offense will have the most red zone touchdowns this season? Also, which player in the secondary will be the beneficiary of the most picks? Great question. That's a really, really good one, especially the red zone one.
3: I got two. You go first. I mean, Sutton's the easiest choice there because he's the number one wide receiver, big body, big uh, catch radius, but Noah Fant. I-, I mean, this is a guy who's coming into his own. Drew Lock and him had that chemistry down. Down the seam in the red zone between the 20s, I think he's going to lock on to Fant a lot. I would see Noah Fant having like eight touchdowns with only like 500, 600 yards. He's going to be that big in the red zone, and Cortland Sutton as well. I think those are the two obvious choices, Chad.
2: I don't disagree, but one thing I'll say to piggyback on that is, and it's not a bold prediction, But I think it's in the red zone, is where you're gonna see the Broncos utilization of Albert O the most. Hmm. You're gonna I think I think he'll they're gonna try and use that basketball frame and that playmaking ability inside the 20s here and there. When you do see Albert O, my bet will be when it's all said and done and we can chart his plays and look at the advanced analytics, the majority of them will come in red zone packages. Now, as far as most interceptions, I'm sticking with actually, you know what? I'm saying A.J. Bouye just because okay. of how prolific he's already been in that department, and we know his career high back in 2017 when he made the Pro Bowl was six. Justin Simmons is the next obvious choice there, but I'm probably going to roll with Bouye just because I do sense a resurgent season yes. for him in 2020.
3: A thousand percent agree, Chad. Yeah, I see him maybe not six interceptions, but maybe like three or four. This is a guy who was taking the ball away from receivers in training camp. He was out muscling Cortland Sutton. He's returned to that. I'm not going to say all pro form, but definitely the old Jaguars boy and not the new Jaguars boy, like what we saw last year. And I think a lot of teams aren't that familiar with him. They don't believe he's that much better. So you might see opposing quarterbacks target him in coverage. And if you target him and if he's the old boy, he's going to make you pay. Simmons is the easy choice but Boye is just a natural playmaker. Interceptions just magnetized to his hands, Chad. Uh, Darian
2: P about Todd Davis posting on Twitter that he'll be ready for week one. Have we seen him? He has been working back into action. He's not participating yet in team. So he's not participating in 11 on 11, but he is working some in individual with trainers on the sidelines. So I don't see any, I know the Broncos have it written in Sharpie that he's going to be back in time for week one. He's posting about it on Twitter. I don't think there's any reason to doubt that at this stage. The question is, Zach, if there were a setback, who starts next to Alexander Johnson? Would it be the new transplant Mark Barron, or would it be Josie Julia
3: thing? You know what? It's easy for a Broncos fan to say Mark Barron, considering he was the latest addition, but he has no time to learn the playbook. And I think Fangio being a, an NFL lifer, he's aware that Mark Barron is on a prototypical inside linebacker. I think it would be Josie Jewell to start out next to AJ Johnson and to work in Barron and pass coverage situations, third down situations. Mark Barron is on a three down linebacker. He's not really even a linebacker, but against the run, he doesn't offer much. He's more of a pass coverage kind of guy. So I think in, Base and early downs, you see Josie Jewell and then Mark Barron on passing downs and third down situations. But I will say again, I have never been happier to see Todd Davis healthier right now. It it just He has to be on the field for the Broncos this year because the more Barron plays, the worse the Broncos defense will be. And one of the things, too, Zach, that I think Bears mentioning is the reason why
2: Davis and Johnson at times just looked so janky in coverage. You got to remember, the Broncos cornerbacks were crap. year, Even Chris Harris Jr. had literally his worst year as a pro, and they had no depth. It was just a who's who of young guys trying to figure out their way uh, through the NFL. And I think this time around, because you're going to have Booyer, you're going to have stability there. You're going to have stability with Bryce Callahan. And when it goes into the sub packages and he kicks inside, that next guy that takes the field, whether it ends up being Devonte Bosby, or if the Broncos are thinking about keeping Callahan on the boundary and bringing in a Sangbassi, which I think is unlikely, I still think their plan for sub packages, Devontae Bosby outside, Callahan inside, and then Bouye. But nevertheless, I think you're going to see that take a lot of pressure off these, these linebackers, and they're not going to look so fish out of water when it comes to coverage.
3: And the pass rush, too. I mean, having Chubb back and being Vaughn being Vaughn, if they can get to the quarterback, it would mitigate them having to hold up in pass coverage. So the defense being better overall will help the inside linebackers. All right, one thing I want to
2: talk about real quick here, and then we'll get to what super chats are left, because we do not ignore or leave any of our superstars out in the cold. Your defensive line picks. I have to concur with you on this, Zach. It's not what I want to see happen but if we're making predictions in which we want our audience and our community to hold us accountable for, this seems to be the most likely. Six defensive linemen being kept to wit. Jarrell Casey, Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, Mike Purcell, McTelvin Ajim, Christian Covington. I do think this is the last stand of Demarcus Walker, and I think because he's just one of those guys that even though he's in his fourth year, Zach, the lack of preseason Crushed his his shot at the roster. So unless they decide to go light at another position in order to make room for Walker, I just don't. I don't think he beat out Covington. I just, I don't see it.
3: I I was actually hemming and hawing about just carrying five defensive linemen, maybe even cutting Covington as well. But I, I think they picked him up for a reason. I like what he brings to the table. He's a pretty solid all around defensive lineman. Demarcus Walker, it it pained me to write that and it pains me to talk about because you and I are two of his biggest fans out there, Chad, living legend 44. But it's just two coaching staffs now, two different regimes, can't get on the field consistently. When he is, he's always making plays. We talked about this yesterday, but he's just not able to get on the field. And if you can't get on the field for Vic Fangio, you don't have a, a future in this Denver defense. And like you said, If it was me and my bias and thinking with my heart, I would have predicted Walker on the roster, but I'm thinking with my brain and keeping it realistic. And I have to just be honest and objective with the Broncos.
2: I still think there are plenty of solid football reasons to keep Walker for his contract year and let him play out his full four-year rookie deal. I just don't, I just don't think the Broncos are thinking that way. So, uh, all right. One last thing I wanted to bring up about your 53 is, You've got on the cornerback side, of course, you've got Bassie making it with Isaac Yaddam getting dealt, Devonte Harris, Michael Ojemudia, Devonte Bosby. Based on the the developments of the last two days, nothing particularly surprising about that, with the exception of Duke Dawson. I think you're right; he's a goner. I don't think yeah. he makes this roster this time around, but he could be one of those guys, one of those veterans. You know, he might actually have some practice squad eligibility. We'll see, but he's a guy I could see them trying to sneak onto the practice squad but he might garner interest elsewhere because of that second-round pedigree. But what I wanted to get your take on is on the safety side, you have the Broncos keeping Elijah Holder, which is interesting because for fans who might have missed it, Elijah Holder, undrafted corner out of Stanford last year, that played corner for as a rookie, made a, an appearance on the 53-man roster late in the year when the Broncos started getting decimated with injuries to corner and injuries to safety. They eventually decided, hey, we're moving him to safety, period. And he has looked pretty good out there this year. Not as good as Trey Marshall as far as the backup safeties, but he's looked a lot better than Douglas Coleman. And I'll be honest, I had some high hopes for Douglas Coleman. Same. yeah. I think he's going to be one of those practice squad guys. And I like your, your decision to go with Elijah Holder, but what was your explanation or rationale behind that?
3: This might have been the hardest position group to nail down because after Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, we haven't heard much about these safeties. And the Broncos never really replaced Will Parks. And it shows, Chad. I mean, Trey Marshall's been a guy. He's been around for a while now through different coaching staffs. He obviously has shown something to fans. Fangio, he'll make it by default because the Broncos have to carry at least three safeties. Who's the fourth guy, though? If they go four, is it P.J. Locke? Is it Douglas Coleman? Is it um, Elijah Holder? I just like his flexibility, having a cornerback background. If there's an injury in the cornerback group, he can play corner as well. He's a young guy that Fangio can develop and mold, and uh, he's been in the building longer than Douglas Coleman has. So I just I, I like his odds better. Chris Hernandez, everybody
2: knows Chris, twenty four year veteran of the Air Force. Much love to you, my friend. And, you know, we appreciate you for what you do to MHH yes. and, and what you mean to MHH and what you do serving this country. Thank you. Chris. It says a lot of good questions tonight, MHH fam. Keep them coming. Hashtag click those little thumbs up. Appreciate the reminder as always in the support, Chris, and I uh, hope you're doing well tonight. Quick question here. Oh, sorry. Yeah, let's keep it here. Buck the Buck the Fuffs, man. That's that's tongue tie. I could almost say something I shouldn't say on these airways. <laughs> Buck the Fuffs, fifty five. That's my dog's name. My new dog, Buck. What about? Appreciate the super chat. And by the way, Zach, not a name obviously that we recognize right. on super chat. So welcome, welcome. Sir. Thank you. Appreciate you. What about McTelvin Ajim? I love the pick. Tons of talent. Do you guys think he will get meaningful playing time this year? Define meaningful. I think literally, I was going to say that. I do think he's going to get used here and there as a rotational interior pass rusher. I'm still wondering what they're going to do when you need to spell Mike Purcell because he's a guy that, you know, because he's a hefty dude at nose tackle. Typically, they play 50% snaps somewhere around there. And there's a good reason for it that doesn't have to do with conditioning. Sub packages are so common now that a lot of times they take that big nose out. And they bring in another three tech or five tech, excuse me, type guy, a guy who's a little bit, he's still big, defensive line, 300 pounds, but can move a little bit more. Who's going to be that nose tackle behind Purcell if and when he needs to spelled or if he you know gets banged up? I think it's going to be McTelvin and Jean. But then again, Zach, it could be Christian Covington, right. who both of us have making this 53.
3: That's what I think as well. You might even see, you know, Jerrell Casey playing some nose tackle. He's a bigger body and he can definitely penetrate or stop the run. Uh, he's so good, at right. wide, good at both. Right. He's a big, big wall there in the middle of that defense. And uh, I, I think it will be him or one of the guys they can platoon. They can kind of, you know, make up for the differences if Purcell gets hurt or he needs to be uh, spelled in terms of machine, a though. This is not a pick I think the Broncos made for 2020. I think they made this pick for 2021 and beyond when Shelby Harris might be gone. Gerald Casey's getting up there. He's not a 10-year type contributor for the Broncos defense. He's kind of a a guy who's holding the fourth down now. Ajim, like Chad said, defined meaningful. I think he will definitely get some snaps. He will make the roster. He will see the field. Is he going to be... 70% 70% of snaps? I don't think so. 60? I don't think so. 50? I don't think so. Is he going to be a starter? I don't think so, barring an injury. He's going to be in the rotation, but just more of a bit player and contributor until next season, Chuck.
2: All right, as we close out tonight's Mile High Mailbag, we got to go through in rapid fire the Mile High Huddle supporters. They have a We have a thread that we put in here for the mailbag for the supporters only on Facebook. Let's run through these really quick, Zach. Rapid fire, and then we'll yes. say goodnight. Jerry Holland jumping in, as you guys can see here. He says, first game fun prediction, boys. How many touchdowns? Who reels those in? I think, Zach, probably – I want to say the spread's like 40, uh, 46 points is I think something like that. I think it's going to be like a 23-20 type of game. Yep. I'm guessing Cortland Sutton gets one, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing Philip Lindsay gets ah. one. What do you got?
3: You're reading my mind tonight Chad I, I do think it will go one of those two ways uh in terms of the score I think like like I said 1916 like two touchdowns and a bunch of field goals it's gonna be a sloppier game than I think most Broncos fans were thinking but two touchdowns I'm predicting the Broncos win 1916 I think it'll be Sutton and just to change it up a little bit I'm gonna say I'm uh, Noah fan two guys in the red zone for Drew lock to catch a couple touchdowns
2: all right, I just made it a little bit bigger on our screen. Hopefully you guys can see these questions that the fellows have here a little bit closer. Uh, Steve Griffith, I'll follow Jerry's lead. How many sacks will Ryan Tannehill suffer? And who gets the first sack of the season? Zach, I'm saying Jerrell Casey, and I'm saying that they sack him four times.
3: I was gonna say four. I think Casey does have one, but I think Vaughn is gonna get the first sack. Though Casey's sack will be a a sack fumble that the Broncos recover, and he's gonna swing the game in Denver's favor. That's my bold take for Jarrell Casey in week one.
2: Albert Knoppers, of course, great superstar and also Facebook supporter. Would a new strength and conditioning coach be a good thing now that the season is about to start? Yes. <laughs> you guys know how we feel about it. It's not gonna happen though. Right. So don't don't even it's it's not something on a on a realistic level that you would expect to see on the doorstep of a regular season. These, these teams have their regimens, Zach, they have their, yeah. their rhythms in place with regard to strength and conditioning. We might criticize Lauren Landau, but the team seems to love him. So it is what it is.
3: I Maybe I think next off season, they might, they might make a change. I think Landau and Tom McMahon could be on the firing line, but for now with the season, you know, 10 days away, they're not going to make any changes, 11 days, whatever it is.
2: Can the kicker, this is Albert's last one, be the punter, as well would save a (laughs) roster spot. Hey, man, I love the creativity. There are some guys out there that have and had the ability to do that, but it's just not something you see in the NFL. Teams like guys to specialize and focus on one or the other. That's just the way it is nowadays.
3: Yeah, and you know what? They can spare a spot for Sam Morton, who should be an upgrade on uh, Colby Wadman. It's not saying much, but he's a consistent punter, should help flip field position. And you know what? After Brandon McManus has struggled the last couple years, I don't want him to focus on anything else than just drilling field goals. I think that's his responsibility. It's what he does best.
2: All right, last one here, gang, from Hardy. Who is this year's diamond in the rough? Any undrafted rookies making the team that have a chance to play much? Asang Bassey's making this team. I don't think Levante Bellamy's making the team, the running back. We don't think that, uh, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, Coleman's making it. Trying to think. I think Kendall Hinton, the wide receiver from Wake Forest, former quarterback, turned wide receiver his final year in college. He's impressed a lot of people in camp this year. He'll get a practice squad spot. Mark my words. Him and Trinity Benson, I think, they'll keep on the practice squad depending on what happens with Tyree Cleveland. If Tyree Cleveland makes the roster – then they'll keep those two guys. If Tyree Cleveland ends up trying to be snuck onto the practice squad, Zach, I think probably Trinity Benson. Well, one of those two is on the outside looking in. I don't know which one it would be, but uh, I think that diamond in the rough, speaking specifically about undrafted rookies, it's got to be saying Bassey.
3: Yeah, like I wrote in my 53 prediction, this season – This offseason, having no practice and no training camp pretty much and no preseason, the Broncos, I expect few surprises from them. They're going to go with veterans and proven players and take less gambles than they would normally on rookies and undrafted guys. There's going to be one undrafted free agent who makes a 53 and also contributes significantly, and that's the guy Chad just mentioned, Asang Bassi. So look out for him this year.
2: Also, Casey's asking if KUSA, if 9 News is going to air Friday night scrimmage at the stadium. I don't think they're doing that. I think this last one, the first one, was kind of the big to-do that they allowed KUSA to come in and sponsor and all that stuff. I don't think they're doing that this time around. There will be media there, but it's not going to be televised as far as I know. There's been no press release, talking to the team guys, no no broadcast coming. Justin says, only one sack from a pissed-off Casey? I don't know. I think he's going to stuff Derrick Henry for a loss more than once, and if the Titans try and lean on the pass, then Casey's going to get two-and-a-half sacks. Revenge, baby. Hey, man. There's no telling what emotion can do to accentuate and improve a player's performance, Zach. I mean, think back to when Brett Favre lost his dad and he went out on Monday Night Football against the freaking Raiders and played lights-out ball, completely, completely overwhelmed in mourning, but somehow it kicked him into go-out-and-get-her-done type mode, and he went above and beyond. That's a far cry from Casey being pissed, you know, someone losing their father. That's a far cry from Lindsey or uh, Casey being upset that he got traded away for a seventh round pick. But the point being, you never know how emotions can fuel a guy. So Justin might not be completely off base, but I'm going to keep my expectations relatively, you know, solid. One sack, lots of big plays,
3: though. I do think you're going to see him make some big plays. Uh, Casey said he felt the Titans discarded him like trash. So obviously he's pissed off. Obviously he's motivated and he wants to show his former team they shouldn't have traded him away like Chad said, I'm keeping it realistic. And I think that one sack will come in crunch time, the fourth quarter, when he turns the game with a sack fumble on Tannehill. But, in, in all the game, in all those three quarters before that, you will see him making uh, tackles for losses, stuffing Derrick Henry, getting after the passer because pressure is production too. Sacks aren't the end all be all. If he can force Tannehill out of the pocket, if he can fluster Tannehill, that's just as good almost as getting a sack. So he will show up big this game, Jarrell Casey, and the entire season for Denver. Probably my favorite pickup of the entire offseason, Gerald Casey.
2: Amen. Amen, my friend, and AJ Bouye too, man. It's close. I think yes, when it's all said and done,
3: man, we're gonna we're just gonna be going. How did the Broncos get both these guys? Like seventh round pick for a five time Pro Bowler. I just I can't get over it.
2: And he's not that old. Yes, it's his tenth season. So he's he was a draft pick in twenty eleven, just like Vaughn. So they're a little long in the tooth, but they're not so long in the tooth that you know, <laughs> you, you just get rid of them for for. A <laughs> they're not of really KFC.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, gang, before we get out of here, we got to remind you to head on over to sportsbetting.com and enter into the million-dollar football pick'em and get a chance to win that cheddar cheddar. It's really fun. You get to see the spread on all 16 games for the season opener. Go check that out, sportsbetting.com. All right, that's got to do it, gang, for tonight's episode. Thanks to each and every one of you for giving us some of your time, for contributing to the conversation, for your questions, a mile high salute to our super chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. We love you guys. Hopefully you you know how much we love you. And we talked quite a bit about that tonight. You're very meaningful to us and it keeps us spinning here at MHH. So we got to get out of here though. Make sure you're following the podcast on uh, Twitter. It's crucial gang. If you're on Twitter and you're not following the the podcast account, you're watching these live streams every day. What the heck are you doing? Follow the account at huddle Up Pod while you're at it at Mile High Huddle. And then whatever you do, make sure you're following my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. You can find me at Chad and Jensen. And before I forget, you got to follow our producer, Buona Beast. On Twitter, he goes by at John K, John Cronenberg, that's his name. At John K, J-O-N-K-A-Y-M-H-H. Follow him there. Great follow. If you're a Broncos fan, trust me, you want to be following. John K., he finds all kinds of cool stuff, and you're you're not going to want to miss that as a follower. But we're off. Tomorrow night, you're going to get a fresh episode of Dove Valley Deep Divers, followed by, on Saturday, Mile High Insiders. We'll be back Sunday night, and we're going to have Christy on the show. Everybody knows Christy. I didn't see her in the chat stream tonight. She probably got things going on, but she's going to join us Sunday night. It's going to be a gas. We're going to kick off officially, Zach, game week. Hmm. Sunday begins game week. It's finally here and we get to celebrate that. And in the meantime, we want you all to have a fun, safe Labor Day. Enjoy yourselves. You got anything special planned this weekend, Zach, besides work?
3: Roster cutdown day Saturday. So that's going to dominate my weekend and my time as always. But you know what? It's for the greater good. Give us stuff to talk about and it makes football season that much closer. So I'm, o- I'm always looking forward to that day because it means football is right around the corner.
2: Amen. And if you're if you're traveling, a lot of us do. A lot of people head to the mountains, head to be the beach. Head, be safe in your travels. And we will see you Sunday night. Meanwhile, if you want to participate in the Mile High Huddle um, Fantasy Football League this year, you're running out of time to give. let us know and get us your email address. So either reach out to Zach, reach out to myself in a DM, or email us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Make it plain that you want to play. Make sure we have your email address and we'll be unveiling over the weekend. When you hear from us on Sunday, we'll have a plan in place for the draft and a whole nine yards. So if that's something you want to do, go against Zach, myself, the other MHH guys in fantasy football, and try and take out this dude who wrecked shop last year in the MHH Fantasy League. Make sure you reach out to us and get us your email address. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you on Sunday. Have a great labor.
1: You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at
2: milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
1: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. Paid for by America First Legal. 1 2 Brooklyn is everything. Home to icons, bar raisers, and startups who are just getting started. And for all who live here, home to great healthcare. New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital with doctors from Weill Cornell Medicine. A new center for community health and endless empathy for everyone. Stay Brooklyn. Stay amazing.